Lord, we give you thanks for our sister Alana. We thank you for her faithfulness and the ups and downs of life um, and for the way she has heard your call um, both to the beautiful places in the world and the hard places in the world. And we pray, Lord, that as she speaks now, that you'll be um, editing words she doesn't need to say, you'll be adding words she didn't expect to say, and that what she shares with us would be revelation to her as well. Amen. Amen. Um, So we are on the fifth Sunday in Lent, and this um, takes us to the reading for today, which is John 12, 20 to 33. So I'll just start off by reading that. Now, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So up until this point in the book of John, there have been many interactions where Jesus has done something miraculous or preached, and some of the Jews have began to plot to kill him. However, Jesus has always ended up escaping, saying the hour has not yet come. However, following on from the Greeks' request to see Jesus, this is the point that Jesus proclaims that this is the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus' response to the question of, we would like to see Jesus, results in Jesus talking about his upcoming death. That in order for Jesus to be seen, he first has to die. Personally, I found this a very interesting and confusing response from Jesus. Just as people are asking to see Jesus, Jesus talks about dying. 
And not only about dying, but of dying being the means to be glorified. If I had been one of the disciples, just chilling out with Jesus, I would not have expected this response. Death and seeing someone, let alone being glorified, normally wouldn't be the first response I expected to hear. However, Jesus' response to this question is one where he not only alludes to his impending death, but explicitly calls us to follow him as well, dying to ourselves and following Christ into a life of servanthood. This exchange occurs as Jewish people and those accepted into the Jewish faith began their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to join together for the annual Passover feast. This festival happened at the start of the Jewish year as a way of celebrating and retelling the story of God's liberation for them out of slavery in Egypt. Each year there was also an expectation for a Messiah to come who would liberate them once again from the empire of the day, Rome, and bring forth national restoration and glory for Israel. The Jewish people, well, some Jewish people, expected a Messiah that was militaristic and would violently overthrow the worldly authorities of the day using force and might, thus submitting the Romans to judgment while saving and restoring Israel. Therefore, when Jesus, who proclaimed to be this Messiah, was living a life that was revolutionary and spoke of a kingdom even greater than Rome, while also not prescribing himself to the made-up laws by Jewish leaders. This did not fit the expectations of who the Messiah would be, how he would bring about salvation, and who the salvation would be for. Jesus consistently subverted expectations by proclaiming to be the Messiah, yet not coming in with a violent agenda proclaiming to be saviour, yet not only saviour for the peoples of Israel, but for the world. Thus, the way of Christ is not one of overpowering, but submitting, not one of ruling, but of service. This made me question who we expect Jesus to be, or what we expect to see when we ask, just like the Greeks asked, to see Jesus. How often do we expect to see Jesus in ways that don't ask us to change or lose anything or derail the power that we have? Even though Jesus explicitly states that in order to follow Christ, we have to follow him, which is living like him, dying with him and being raised again, I feel that we sometimes expect to see Jesus whilst assuming our social standings and constructions will stay the same. This passage shows that often the Messiah we expect isn't who Jesus is. For myself, there have been many times where I have questioned whether I am following who I want God to be, rather than stopping, listening, and walking where Jesus is and is calling me to be also. In reflecting on this passage, there are two ways that stood out for me where we may have misplaced expectations of who Jesus is 
and the way of living that he invites us into. So the first one of these is that the Christ we expect to see is just for us. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah for the whole world, saying, the prince of this world will be driven out, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. In proclaiming this, Jesus subverted expectations by saying that as he walks the way of the cross and is lifted up in death, that this will be the means of drawing all people to himself. This will be the means for complete reconciliation. That by Jesus submitting to the full weight of violence and brokenness of the world, and then completely overcoming it, that that will lead to liberation, not only for a few, but for anyone who chooses to follow. As I allowed this to sink in, um, it became more clear that Jesus is not only a personal saviour, but is the Messiah, is the Messiah who threatened and then overcame the social and political constructions of the day and continues to do that now. That through Jesus coming to earth, living, dying and being being resurrected, that it was the start of a new order. Just like God ordered Israel to change the entire structure of their lives on a personal and societal level when God delivered them from Egypt, Jesus does the same now. Not only for the Jewish people when Jesus was alive, but but now for all. By Jesus responding to the question, we want to see Jesus, Jesus has welcomed us to see him, to know him and to follow to follow Jesus because his way is the ultimate challenge and the ultimate victory over the brokenness in the world and within. Jesus claims that his way, which was not one that met expectations, is the way that the laws of this world will be overcome so that all may have life and be a part of the final of God. Um, The second one is that the Christ we expect to see will offer us a better or upgraded version of life. Jesus knew that he would walk the way of the cross, yet he still came to earth in order that the whole world may be drawn to him. Jesus explicitly shares the anguish, pain and longing he felt by saying, now my heart is troubled. Although Jesus felt this anguish and pain and potentially a longing or, dare I say it, searching for another way, Jesus laid all of that before God and chose to serve God, to serve God's will and ultimately to serve us as he continued to walk towards dying. It's really hard to question, I find it really hard, to question whether I still want to see Jesus if it comes with sacrifice. I find it really hard to question whether I'm actually wanting to see Jesus or whether I'm just wanting to see Jesus if it's on my terms. Yet Jesus lived a life where he chose to succumb to the total violence and brokenness of the world, knowing that ultimately that would give birth to life. 
So what does it mean to follow Jesus? In verse 25 out of this passage, Jesus says, Whoever loves his life will lose it, while the person who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Scholars believe that this statement is a hyperbole, exaggerating this line to highlight its importance. This statement isn't necessarily linking the feelings of love or hate to losing or gaining life. Instead, Jesus exaggerates the statement to place emphasis on it and show its extreme importance in the picture of what it means to follow him. (coughs) Then Jesus continues by saying, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. We can see through Jesus' life and his words that following Jesus doesn't mean an enhanced version of our current lives, but instead is a call of service to die to the princes of the day, a culture of convenience, individualism and comfort, and instead going to where Jesus would go, where Jesus is. Jesus uses the analogy of a kernel of wheat falling to the ground and dying to help us understand that following him is not trying to hold on to our lives as they currently are but is to be reckless in our love just as Jesus was sacrificing all that we are to live a life of service when a kernel of wheat falls to the ground it doesn't actually die but it dies to what it was allowing it to crack open and make room for something new to grow The dying proceeds, but is also the very path for life. This means that following Jesus is dying to what we want and trusting that Jesus' way and Jesus' life is more than enough. That Jesus isn't just the way for us reaching where we're wanting to go, but that Jesus is our life. Jesus is the life. This life began by Jesus dying so that his life could be shared. Baptism and communion, which we um, have seen throughout our community and been talking about um, lots recently, uh, as Scotty was saying earlier, two outward signs of an inward grace um, and are ways that in some capacity we may have all taken part in at some point. Um, Through these sacraments, we see that we are called to be wholeheartedly immersed in the Jesus story, that we are to be active participants in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, This has not been an easy message to write (laughs) or um, to give um, and potentially maybe to receive. Um, This is hard and is the real grit of having faith in and following Jesus. Um, I've found it really hard and I I find it really hard dying to self um, to make space to hear, to listen and then actually respond to, to where I feel God's calling me. Before moving to Wellington, the Jesus I went to see didn't involve much cost if any, on my behalf, in order to see change or to see the world getting (coughs) better. Um, 
often the Christ I went to see with the best intentions, looked like me asking God to bless what I had already made up my mind to do, rather than laying all that I am before God, so that I would be able to follow where God was and is leading me. Even if it seems a bit crazy, um, or doesn't make much sense in comparison to the standards of this world. We serve a God who has felt the anguish and the pain of these sacrifices, is present in our sacrifice and service, and ultimately will bring forth life that is far greater and wider than us. When we individually choose to follow Jesus, we choose to walk the path of service so that by dying, we all receive God's invitation of life through death, glory through pain, entering into a new order, a new way of being, an invitation into life that is not only meant for me or for you, but for all, so that all can sit around the metaphorical and literal table so that all can eat and drink our family meal, can participate in the whānau of God and in God's abundance. It is this cost, this surrender in following Jesus' life and death that means we walk with Jesus, the path of reconciliation and liberation. So I guess a question I have, which is quite a long question, so take what you have, take what you want from it, but um, is therefore what has to die in me, what has to die in you, and what has to die in us collectively, so that our misplaced expectations of who Christ is, who Christ came for and who Christ came to be, are shattered for and I. Just as the worship team comes up, let's just reflect on that. What has to die in me? What has to die in you? What has to die in us? So that our misplaced expectations of who Christ is, who Christ came for, who Christ came to be, are shattered. May we reflect on who you truly are. Who do you say you are? Who is the Christ that you're calling us to follow? 
Lord, we let your spirit fill us to clear away all the voices of the world that we can see your path, that we can see your vision for your kingdom here on earth.